This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Well, good evening. Glad you're here. Big show planned on WTMJ Nights. More fun when you're involved. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Use it however you please. Do you want to call? That would be great. When you do, you'll be talking to Matt. He's producing the big show tonight all by himself. So be nice to him and you get to me. And if you want to text, let's start out with our text question of the night. Would you rather the world's population be super young or super old and why? I'll explain why I'm asking this question in a second. But would you rather the world's population be super young or super old, and why? 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Matt, you're all by yourself tonight. Nobody is looking over your shoulder. Are you ready? Are you feeling confident? I was born ready. You know, it's a great night. There's a lot going on. So it's a very eventful night to have the first uh, first night of full control. All right, what's, uh, you know, I, I want you to focus here for the two hours. I know there's a lot of stuff going on um, inside, outside, all around the town. But, uh, yeah, well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're confident. I hope it, that confidence is uh, well-deserved. I'm sure it is. So we'll have, a, uh, we'll have a good time tonight. All right, I'll ask you, because you and I are at different ends of the, uh, the demographic here. Would you, Matt, rather the world's population be super young or super old, and why? Well, I have a little bit of a bias here. I have to go with super young just because that's where I'm currently at right now. Mm -hmm. um, I see both sides of the coin, though. You want an older population because of experience, but at the same time, you want a younger population because there's potential there. It, it could go either way. I'm curious to see what the responses are well, throughout the show. No, listen, it's, you're, you're gonna, you know this. You're a sports guy. you got to have the hot take. This is a, so we need that you, I'm going to go with your first answer. Super young. There's nothing wrong with that. The reason I ask this question is the median age in the United States has reached a record high. Now it's not that high. 38.9 years old. Uh, the data was recently released by the Census Bureau. It shows a rapid rise from 2000 when the median age was 35 and in 1980 when the median age was 30. Uh, experts are saying that low birth rates are the main driver of the nation's rising median age. I'm going to, this may surprise you, Matt. I am going to agree with you. I would rather the population be, now, super young means, I don't want them to be all six year olds, but I think, I think I would want it to be younger. You're going to get fresh ideas, you're going to get new innovation. Now, does that mean we get rid of all the old people? I hope not, because I'm, you know, depending on where you draw that line, I'm in that demographic. So I don't want to get rid of the old people, but I think with a majority being younger, the chances for things improving are better. All of the, all of the new technology, all of the, the best advancements come from younger minds now they may be mentored by older professionals in their business that's why we got to keep keep some of us around most of us but if you're going to say would you rather the age be younger or older i've got to go with younger too now don't take that as a don't take that as an invitation to put me out to pasture matt i don't want you thinking that i'm you know soiling green all of a sudden um let's see from the 920 
Uh, I'd personally just want to be the, I'd personally just want to be the opposite. If I'm old, there's a generation to take care of me. If I'm young, I'd get paid well to take care of old folks, but I'm 40 right in the middle. All right. Uh, Brian from Milwaukee says old higher median age means reduced global population. Okay. Matt says, I prefer the older generation. The world needs. Wow. Matt's looking for some, uh, some dates. That's what he needs. That's why he wants the older, uh, older population. So there's our text question tonight, and that's why I'm asking, because, you know, it seems like we're getting a little older. And I think about it, though, it's very unusual nowadays to meet families that have a lot of kids. When I was growing up, I have four brothers, so there were five kids in my family. I was friends with a number of people who had eight kids in their family. That, was, that wasn't an odd thing back then. Now, you know... Two kids seems about average, maybe three. But once once people start having more than three kids, you, you look at them a little bit and you go, oh, wow, that's that seems like a lot. Where three kids 30 years ago, 40 years ago, three kids was nothing. So, you know, but people are, you know, what's what is the cause of lower birth rates? Well, uh, you know, just look at, look at the cost of everything. That could be one of the things that is uh, keeping people from having kids. Waiting longer to get married is another thing. People are uh, advancing in their careers. Some people just don't want to have kids. So there you go. But I'm going to go. I'm going to side with you on this one, Matt. Don't get used to it. It might not happen. Uh, might not happen all the time. But uh, we'll see how it happens this time. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Then we'll come back. We'll update the big story of the day. Not the embezzlement story. Uh, John just talked about that again right before he went off the air. This uh, this piece of human garbage who was stealing money from uh, the honor flight. And yes, that's uh, you know, you steal money, you steal money from any any charity. You're a horrible human being. Um, you steal money from a charity that you're supposedly raising money to help. And when your father has been a, a beneficiary of the honor flight, you know what? You're a piece of garbage. And the less said about her, the better. Uh, it'll be interesting to see when the case finally does come to court what happens. My guess is she's going to try to strike a plea deal, but who knows if it'll even be offered. But it's a, uh, it just, it's just horrible. Another horrible piece of news. We'll cover that. And then we're going to have some fun tonight, too. A lot going on. It is WTMJ Night. Back to WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan with you. We're here until 8 o'clock tonight. Then it's Brewers Weekly with Dom Catronio. Text question of the night. Would you rather the world's population be super young or super old and why? We ask that question because the median age in the U.S. has gone up uh, again. So the median age now 38.9 years old. I said I would rather it be on the younger side. Matt agreed. Some of the texters Yes and no. Um, and then the reason that the experts are saying that our median age is going up is because people just aren't having children anymore. Uh, from the 262, I have four adult children in their 30s. Two have indicated that they'll likely never have children, uh, and two are uncertain. From the 385, you summed it up well. Younger people drive progress. Overall, humanity makes progress, despite all the bad news we hear constantly, and young people drive that. And then uh, uh, from the... Texter with the four kids, they all have dogs as surrogate kids, play sports and travel often internationally with groups of peers. It's a totally different lifestyle, 
but it's their choice. And then Taylor in River Hill says, super young, less complaining. Well, I don't know, Taylor. I think the complaining is going to be about different things. Uh, I know my daughter is 26, and she complains about a lot of things that I don't care about. And I know that uh, myself and my friends, we complain about, you know, health issues and age and things like that. So I I don't think we're ever going to be free of any age group complaining, depend, no matter what, no matter where our population falls. Uh, 414 saying they'd like it on the older side because today's younger people are lazy. They don't want to work. The seniors are still the ones that are working in supporting this country. Uh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to call uh, BS on that. I think there are a lot of, a lot of young people working very hard, doing a great job. And, uh, you know, we can't, if it was just seniors working, we'd be in a lot of trouble. That's not, uh, that's nothing against seniors, but let's be honest. Uh, people, Depending, if you're AARP, people 55 and above aren't the only ones working. We got a lot of people in their late 20s, 30s, 40s who are working and uh, doing a great job keeping things moving along. All right, uh, bad news. Uh, have you been following this submersible story, Matt? The Titan? It's, it's really unfortunate. I haven't been keeping up to date with it today, but so far it has not been the best. Well, today was the, the worst. They found... They found wreckage that they have confirmed is part of the the Titan. The debris, uh, there was some debris found on the ocean floor about 1,600 feet from the bow of the Titanic. It was consistent with a catastrophic loss of uh, pressure, and um, they found they found some some of the the floating or the the floats and the frames and stuff. It's uh, not good. A landing frame and rear cover is some of the debris that the Coast Guard has found. They say that there was, they're theorizing. They don't, nobody knows for sure. Nobody knows for sure, but it is, um, the, the hypothesis is based on where it is in the debris field that there was some sort of rupture in the pressure cabin and that was it, you know. Uh, if that's the case, you got to figure at least there's no, at least there's no suffering. You know, it's pretty much instantaneous. You get the pressure, you you know, the pressure at that level is just gonna mash you right away. It's very unfortunate. And I know this is this is what's bothering me today and yesterday. Now, I if you listen to this show, you know I'm not approved by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not afraid to joke about um, dark topics, but. There seem to be, in some circles, a lot of anger and vitriol aimed at the people on this submersible. It's as if it was their fault, and all of life's ills should be visited upon them because they were very rich. Except for the 19-year-old kid who was the son of someone who was very rich. But... That part I didn't understand. It's like, yes, they did get on there of their own free choice. You know, they they decided they were going to go. They knew the risks. They got on, but that that doesn't that doesn't mean that they deserve this. The fact that they're billionaires or multimillionaires doesn't mean they deserve this either. Now, that's that does not mean that I'm apologizing for billionaires and millionaires. I think. You know, people have a right to make as much money as they want. 
And unfortunately, whether we like it or not, in the end, they're allowed to do with that money whatever they want. Because now we see, you know, people say, well, you know, all these billionaires, they could be doing all this good. Yes, you're right. They could be doing all this good. But, you know, we don't we don't know everything about the people who were on this vessel. Um, and I am, I'm also, you know, there's a time and a place for complaining. There's a lot of people, uh, on different social media saying, well, what about these boats, uh, the boat near Greece that capsized with refugees and they can't find all of them and they're looking, you know, they're, but yes, this, did this get a lot of media coverage? Sure. It did. Uh, was it just because of who was on board? I don't think so. I think this had a more this had a more dramatic cinematic story around it. So it was something that news organizations knew people would be glued to. And I know that might sound cynical, but it's the truth. You got to figure uh you know, a quick a quick story about a boat capsizing in Greece, that is an important story, but it it's it's sad and it's one of those things that happened far away and so as as americans a lot of our attention doesn't we don't spend it on things that are far away we want to know about those things we want to know that people are suffering somewhere but this was an american company uh some american citizens billionaires a uh, ticking time you know, uh, well, they only have this much oxygen, so we've got to we've got to get a debt. There, you know, there's an ultimate deadline. Um, how are we going to get them? Even if we find them, there was a lot. There were a lot of elements to this that made it great for TV to cover, and we did. We covered it on TV, social media. We talked about it here. It was a huge story, just like when. Uh, those kids were trapped in the cave and the, the Chilean coal miners were in. There's a, there's a story down there. And so that's why we, that's why we paid so much attention to it. So now, according to the Coast Guard, uh, remote operating vehicles are going to remain on the seafloor around the Titanic trying to investigate the debris field. They don't know whether the Coast Guard will be able to re recover the bodies of the passengers. So that's, you know, that's going to go. I saw some people making comments earlier today here on WTMJ. Well, we should just leave them like they do on Everest. And maybe that's the best way. You know, who knows? Who knows what condition those bodies would be in after, if they're even, if they're even around. Um, so that's, uh, somebody asking, should taxpayer dollars pay to go rescue them? since they knew what they were getting into. Listen, we, the Coast Guard, the Canadian Coast Guard, all the countries that are doing this, we do that for anybody. You know, if their search and rescue is a common thing, you know, you could make that argument for anybody. You could make, you could make that argument, and, and I'm not, but it could be made for refugees and everybody else. Anybody who... Anybody who gets on a boat knows they're taking risks. If you get in a submersible, you know you're taking risks. If you're climbing a mountain, you know you're taking risks. There's also, you know, there's people who I have no problem with, you know, when, when we read these stories about people who go hiking in the Grand Canyon or in the mountains anywhere or 
in the woods and they get lost because they went off where they weren't supposed to go and now they they've gotten injured and they have to be rescued well if you deliberately do that then okay yeah we're going to come rescue you but it's up to you now to foot the bill you got to you know if you did something so stupid so yeah maybe you know maybe you can go to some of these people's estate i'm sure i'm sure the if they wanted to, the Coast Guard and whoever could sue what's left of this company and try to get, you know, reimbursed for this. But, yeah, we still have to go. We still have to go and get them. We still have to go and look. Now, these these people, unfortunately, we know are, are dead. So does it really matter what happened? We know something horrible happened. And based on they can if they can bring up some of the debris and figure out what happened, so you know we could do that. I don't think we have to try to find the bodies. We know there was we know they're dead uh, from the two six two. So if I slipped on a hill and broke my hip, should it should attached pairs pay my hospital bill? I'm guessing taxpayers. No, if you slip on a hill and broke your hip, taxpayers should not pay your bill. Are you lost at the bottom of a mountain because you went off the marked trails and now you are lost and somebody had to come find you? Well, yes, until un, until there's something that says you are responsible for being reimbursed or you are responsible for reimbursing, yes, we have to come get you. We're not just going to let people drown or rot away at the bottom of a hill. Or die on the die on a, on a mountain. All right, I'm all revved up. We got to take a break, and then it's going to be time for the news. WTMJ. Now more of WTMJ nights. All right, Brian Noonan, WTMJ nights eight five five six one six one six twenty is the old National Bank talk text line. If you want to jump in with our answer to the text question of the night or on anything. Would you rather the world's population be super young or super old? That is what we, that is our text question of the night. But we were talking about the submarine right before the news, and this just came out on AP uh, that the Coast Guard, in a statement today, said they have gone back and they were listening to the acoustic data from around the time when they lost contact with the submersibles and as they're listening back to it they found an anomaly that they said was consistent with an implosion or an explosion in the general vicinity where the titan submersible was operating when communications were lost that's a, a senior navy official quoted as saying that by uh the ap so they said uh, it appears that the titan imploded and unfortunately everybody aboard it was killed all right, uh, if you have ever stayed in an Airbnb or you live in a neighborhood that has a lot of Airbnbs, you probably have strong opinions on those, and you're probably going to have more opinions on them, especially if you are an owner, because Milwaukee is set to change some rules with regards to Airbnbs. Most of this is because of neighbors. You know, you got you got these houses that are being rented out, and a lot of them are being bought by companies and then used as Airbnbs, and you've got people having parties and being loud, and it's also driving up the property values and the tax assessments for the people in the neighborhood 
And so now Milwaukee is looking at this going, hold on. We gotta, uh, we gotta figure this out. So some new regulations could be coming from City Hall. They might be in place before next summer's, uh, Republican National Convention. They're estimating that's gonna bring 50,000 people to Milwaukee. So officials in the mayor's administration make, are making recommendations to the Common Council on some possible short-term rental regulations and under a new proposal sponsored by a number of council members. So according to data, Milwaukee has about a 1,000 short-term rentals available. That's not too bad unless you happen to live on the same block as them. So action is needed in part because some of the short-term rental guests host parties that draw complaints. We hear about that all the time. Uh, there's noise. There's trash. There's people coming and going. You don't know who's in the house next to you. So people are worried about that. And it's as I said, it's also driving up property values, which is a good thing unless it's happening in neighborhoods where, you know, people need to have some sort of affordable housing, whether it's for rent or for purchase. This is happening in cities all over the country, so it's surprising that Milwaukee has waited this long, but they're going to do it. Uh, the City Department of Neighborhood Services uh, has responded to, quote, a lot of complaints, end quote, involving garbage, poor maintenance, uh, at these short-term rentals, according to the commissioner. The department, though, doesn't have any regulatory authority over these operations. So they react. They can't do anything a ahead. But now they're trying to, they're trying to take that back. And I'm all for this. I think if you're going to have, if you're going to have these rental properties, there should be a limit on how many you can have. Uh, if, if there's a problem, there should be a way for the city to discipline you in some way. Uh, a 2017 law passed by the state legislature and former Governor Walker uh, took away some of Milwaukee's power to regulate these properties. So there's still some authority to create licensing requirements for short-term rental operators. Um, this is going to, what this will do basically is add more money to Airbnb bills. There will be, you know, the rates will get higher, the fees will get higher, and the whole thing with Airbnb used to be that it was more affordable in a lot of places than it was to stay in a hotel. But now, because of parties and fees and licensing, it has become much easier to stay in a hotel than it is to rent short-term properties. Uh, in a lot of places. The city assessor told the committee that her department doesn't take into account the use of a home for short-term rentals as a factor in determining its assessed value, but could perhaps that could change under a new state law or city ordinance. So other cities do this. Chicago, Minneapolis, Cincinnati, they regulate the short-term rentals. Cincinnati, um, if you have an Airbnb, you have to... Uh, apply you got to register with the city pay a $250 fee then it authorizes the city to levy penalties fines and permit suspensions you've got in Minneapolis they implemented a law which limits the number of short-term rental units an operator can provide have you noticed on your street in your neighborhood somebody having short-term rental I know my daughter in New Orleans lived next to 
a guy who had a duplex and he he was a captain of some kind of boat you know uh so he was gone a lot but the other side he would rent out as an airbnb and sometimes it was okay sometimes it was very very loud um so but you know she was renting her apartment so you know she's not a property owner she can't really say much but if you live next door to that it gets very difficult to live your life i wouldn't want to live next door to a property that had different people in it every weekend a couple times a week somebody there for a couple weeks then they're gone then somebody new comes in it doesn't you know it doesn't make for a secure feeling in my opinion but what do you think should these property owners have to register with the city should there be some sort of ability for milwaukee to have better oversight i say 100 percent yes and you know i also think you should be able to limit how many properties these people have um you know it's gotten to a point in a lot of places and i know in chicago they they are very tough on where you can where short-term rentals are permitted a lot of neighborhoods you can't do it. 855-616-1620 if you want to weigh in on this. We'll talk about this and so much more. It's WTMJ Nights. You're listening to WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. We're talking about the proposed new regulations against or well, against Airbnb owners. It would affect Airbnb owners and the neighborhoods. Uh, from the 262, I live in a neighborhood where strict zoning only permits owner-occupied dwellings with no rentals except short-term ones necessary as part of property sales. I suspect some of my neighbors might occasionally violate these rules, but at least so far, there have been no noticeable problems for me. Uh, and were anyone to cause problems from illegal rentals, there'd be a clean mechanism for lodging a complaint and getting them fined and forced out. That is true. Uh, Taylor in River Hill says, I listed my house for the DNC and had made a fortune until the Democrats wussed out and I had to refund the money. I'll be doing the same for the RNC. I'll see what the market will bear for a three-bedroom at 1000 to 1500 per night. Uh, do you have your own kitchen, laundry, living room, dining room, garage, and I'm not registering with anyone? All right, well, Taylor, you're not in Milwaukee, so I don't know what the, what the you know, I don't know what the regulations are where you live and i i've already seen there's there's stuff if you can get that kind of money get it go as long as it's uh as long as it's real you know as long as it's legal go get that go get paid taylor that's all i don't uh, i don't mind i don't i i haven't stayed at an airbnb in a long time only because like i said the fees have gone up so much that it's ridiculous plus you know, I'd rather just stay at a hotel where they come in and clean up for me and, you know, do all that stuff. If I'm, if I'm going to travel, I don't want to have to be cooking and doing dishes and all the, all the things I do at home. That's why I'm going on vacation, you know, so I can relax a little bit. All right. Today is the first day of Summerfest. That brings with it a huge event tonight. We'll talk about that and we'll talk about, oh my goodness, so, so much more. It's WTMJ Night. This is WTMJ Nights. Zach Brown Band, 
They actually will be headlining tomorrow night at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater at Summerfest. Summerfest opened today. If you've been listening to WTMJ, you know Jeff Wagner was there. You know Wisconsin Afternoon News was there. They will be broadcasting uh at Summerfest, when Summerfest is happening, so that's exciting. I uh, we will not be there though, Matt. We're not broadcasting from Summerfest. I have before though, and it is uh, it's a lot of fun actually being in the uh, big WTMJ Talk Aquarium, where uh, you sit there and you see watch the people go by and you do the show. But uh, I will be. I'm going. Are you going to uh, Summerfest, Matt? Not yet, as of now. But it's three oh, long weeks. On. Who knows if something will come up. Something's got to come out. There's got to be somebody on this list that you like. I think there's a sports thing. They've got a little sports sports stage. I know you're a big sports guy. Well, they got the uh, Brewers on Saturday. Guy? They got, I believe, I don't know when exactly it is, but they're having Marquette, Wisconsin, Wisconsin Green Bay, and Wisconsin Milwaukee. All their basketball stars are coming out to uh, have a competition, including uh, Good Karma Brand's own Ben Bruss. I believe he's captaining the Wisconsin Badger team. So we'll have Very to see. Nice. That might be worth checking out. That'd be good. Are you a music guy, or are you just uh, strictly sports? I actually am a big music guy. I was making some bumps for the next few weeks, and uh, I had some fun with it. They'll be rolling across the station over the next couple weeks, depending on uh, when the artists take the stage. But I've had some fun with it. A really good lineup uh, for this year's Summerfest. There's a lot. I'm going to be honest. There's a lot of music I don't know. There's a lot of music I do know. I'm going on July 7th. Just bought my parking today before the show. So, uh, because I want to see Here Come the Mummies. I mentioned this last night and I want to see Sticks and there's a bunch, there's a bunch of people there on the seventh that I will run across who maybe I haven't heard of before. Some I will probably like. Um, some maybe I won't, but that's okay. That's the beauty of Summerfest. You can walk around and, uh, and hear all kinds of things. Now somebody, I think it was, um, Tommy, who used to produce this before he went up to the North Woods to do baseball, uh, was telling me about Japanese breakfast. Have you ever heard of them, Matt? I've heard of them. I used to work, uh, I was doing sports for an indie alternative station, and they played a lot of Japanese breakfast. So I'm slightly familiar with the artist, but not right. too familiar. Well, the reason I, they're there that night that I'm going to be there, so I got to go see them and then uh, hear a little bit. And Soul Asylum and Collective Soul, two bands from the 90s. That I know Tito Puente Jr. is going to be there that night. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been since they went to this three-weekend um, lineup. But tonight, this is what I'm sad I'm missing. Tonight is the Big Bang, the fireworks. I am a sucker for fireworks. I don't know why. I've loved fireworks since I was a kid. And um, it's one of those... What are those things that I've never outgrown? If I see fireworks somewhere, I have to I have to sit and watch. So the Big Bang is tonight. Uh, you can see them from all along the lakefront. If you're not at Summerfest or if you're not going to Summerfest later on, you can see them from all along the lakefront. 30 to 40 minutes. That is a long fireworks display. Not too shabby. So it's, uh, like I said, it starts at 930. But if you don't get to go, and this is, this is not a... Um, an ideal way to watch fireworks. But at 10.30 on Channel 12, they are going to uh, they're going to replay the fireworks. And I've watched fireworks. Uh, the only time I've watched fireworks on TV is usually New Year's Eve, you know, because whether you're watching uh, Dick Clark or one of these, they cut to your local feeds and there's fireworks. You go, oh, look, there's fireworks. Okay, 
Uh, well, it's on TV. It's not quite the same, but these should be these should be good. The Big Bang fireworks. Um, and then we've got next week. We've got fireworks. Hopefully, everywhere for the fourth or two weeks for the Fourth of July. So, I'll get my fill. I'm getting my fill in my neighborhood too, because despite fireworks not being legal, uh, the last few weekends have been very, very fireworks heavy. And I don't know if it's just me. When I was a kid, if people had fireworks, it was mostly like just some firecrackers, maybe some Roman candles, things like that. Now. The people on the next block are lighting off mortars. It's it's like a professional show right outside their house. And I I don't mind it until it's like 1 in the morning. Then I'm like, all right, enough. We, we, we've we celebrated. Now it's time for, you know, most people are trying to sleep at 1 a.m. Uh, that's the only thing I have a problem with. But as much as I like fireworks, I get nervous with the big ones. We had the first, we used to live a long time ago when we were first married. We lived right on the state line between Illinois and Indiana. And we were literally a block off. Um, so we would go over because Indiana, they'll say any kind of explosives. They don't care. Uh, you go, you go across the border into Indiana and it's like, Woohoo! It's a free for all. You're buying mortars. You're buying landmines. You're buying hangar day. You're buying whatever you need. So we decide we're going to have a Fourth of July party, and my neighborhood had alleys. So we're in the back in the alley, shooting these things off, and I was panicked. But then I realized, you know, I had my bucket of water. I had the hose. I was ready to go. Nobody blew anything off, uh, fingers wise or toes wise. So it's a uh, it's fun. Do you like explosions, Matt? I'm with you. I like fireworks shows. I like it when it lasts an appropriate amount of time. But for those of you doing back alley, backyard fireworks, it's not worth it. It's too dangerous. Something good is not going to come up of it. You can have some fun, <laughs> but please, I've seen way too many catastrophes take place for people being plain stupid. So go to the show, but don't try and create magic. Oh, uh, listen, you are absolutely right. Next week, it's going to be a lot of news stories about people who thought it was a dud and looked right down, and poof, there goes the top of their heads. Uh, we're going to talk about how to avoid some cell phone scamalamas on the other side of the news. That comes your way after the news, which comes your way after this on WTMJ. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Good evening. Welcome to hour number two of the big broadcast. If you want to get involved, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Don't worry, I will never use the numbers that I see on the text to call you and try to scam you out of money. That's for others to do. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but June is National Safety Month. It is uh, always important to be safe. It's really important to be safe when it comes to scams on not only your computer, but now more and more on the cell phone. I know I'm not the only one who's gotten all kinds of spam texts and spam calls trying to get me to give information that I don't really want to give. How can we stop that? How can we be more aware? Eric Larson is a tech expert. He uh, joins us now to uh, talk about some of the things that uh, he and U.S. Cellular have come up with 
to try to uh, keep us posted. Hey, Eric, how are you? Thanks for taking some time. Hey, good evening, Brian. Thanks for having me. So how how widespread is this problem? Is You know, we, we all know about emails. That's been going on for a long time. But when it comes to cell phone scams, is, is this really cause for concern, or are we blowing it out of proportion? Um, here's what I'll say. There's basically 7 billion smart, smartphone users across the world. And you think about that. Mobile devices are calling for nearly 60% of online traffic today. Um, a lot of fraudsters can take advantage of really our reliance on constant connectivity and not paying attention, not being diligent when we're when we're doing the things we're doing. Um, so there's a lot of traffic and a lot of movement. Basically, more than 60% of fraud originated from cell phones, according to the RSA Security. NERA reports that basically 70% of internet fraud is committed via mobile devices as of today. It, is there that that's crazy? Because I like I said, I get. I get these texts all the time. Uh, I know my ma gets them too, and people get, we get calls. We got used to the calls because you just block numbers. Texts, you can block those too. Is there a particular group that's targeted more than another group, or is this anybody who has a cell phone is basically a target? I, I believe anybody, and, and again, that's from my opinion, but I believe anybody is a target. I don't think there's a, definitely an age group or, or any type of person who's being targeted. It's just really who they can get to respond and uh, no. making sure you're diligent and, and keeping. Uh, one thing I will tell you to keep them out of that, right, is make sure you update your device's operating system regularly by enabling those automatic updates or accepting them when prompted from your service provider. Up-to-date operating systems can and will help reduce the risk of cyber threats. That's number one. That's very, very important. So, so we update our phones, and we can't. We I know we can't get rid of this altogether. But what other ways should we? What other steps should we take to kind of reduce our chances of being a victim of of this mobile security threat? And number one, I will tell you, if you don't know who the number's from, and even if you do, if it's that important and you know who the person is, call them back. Don't click on any links that are sent to you. Don't do any of that, right? Just if it's that urgent, right, make sure you make that phone call back and, and connect with that person if you know them. Otherwise, if you don't know them, delete it. Don't look at it. Don't open the link. We tell people all the time, you get a link sent to you, do not open that link. Um, and, and it is a form of phishing uh, for, for fraudsters to try to get after, um, you know, getting after people's uh, information. Also, the use of public Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi hotspots in favor of a secure network from a trusted network provider or mobile wireless connection to minimize the risk of that exposure, especially when you're doing personal or sensitive information is being accessed. Right. If you find it important to access your banking information, if you find it important to access something important to you, don't do it over public Wi-Fi. Yeah, we. How many times do you, are you at Starbucks or Panera or anywhere, and it's oh well, they have free Wi-Fi, and you see people doing all kinds of business, and I'm always like, boy, I hope that I hope you're just checking Facebook or something, because if you're doing any work-related things or like you said, banking-related things, that's just an invitation for problems. Absolutely. And, and another thing, Brian, I think is really important, especially with more children being online, children are being online more than ever. It's really important for parents to know that their child is protected. One thing that I'm very proud of that we offer at U.S. Cellular is a parent-child agreement. And it's actually, it's, it's available on uscellular.com, and, and it's actual 
agreement where you have things like never read messages or texting while driving, never use my phone to engage in any rude or inappropriate bullying activity. There's multiple questions that as a parent you can go through with your child, and it also calls out, right, immediately report any calls, messages, or websites that upset or confuse um, a, a, a child to bring that to an adult immediately. Because some of these things children don't even know what to do, and if, you, if you're up front with them and let them know that these things could happen, um, it's also a great way to keep uh, your children protected as well. Well, and that's that's the biggest thing. You know, we got all these got all these kids with phones, and I, you know, I hate to sound like a, you know, some old man, but you got all these kids with phones, and half of them are so young they they can barely make good decisions on if they should wear, you know, a helmet when they ride their bike or if they should do their homework. So they're they're much more of a target than people who've been around for a little while. Yeah, and I think it's really important as a parent just be upfront with your child to have this agreement and, and be really transparent about what they could experience and what your expectations are. And uh, a lot of parents find that to be very, very helpful. Um, what do you, what do you think I, about, uh, Eric, these privacy apps? Are they worth it? There's, you, We see all kinds of uh, things for privacy apps. Do they work? Um, some of them do, absolutely, like DuckDuckGo, ExpressVPN, LastPass, ProtonMail, Signal. They're all Android and iOS, uh, um, iOS, Apple apps that can help consumers protect their online privacy. There, there are out there, they are out there, excuse me, and they work really well. Um, those are great. One other thing that's really important is people really should have a secure way to lock their smartphone and use a password or a biometric authentication process, whether using your thumb, whether using, um, um, a, 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 excuse me, I'm for lost, but a pattern um, to get it done. Um, I think those things are very important as well because a lot of times fraudsters will actually, if you leave your screen unlocked, they're going to access it. They'll do that. They're that brazen in public sometimes. So you can, with your Android or iOS, you know, set or change your lock screen preferences on their phone to secure their devices. So it's really important you do that, too, and especially have a quick lockdown because you can set that timer on where you, where you want to have it at at five seconds or ten seconds after you're off your phone so that people can't see anything. It really has gotten to the point where we have to be vigilant at all times, whether, you know, it used to be, okay, we'll just worry about what's on our computer. Well, no, your phone is a computer, too. You've got to make sure that everything is locked down tight and that people people can't get to it uh, u.s cellular is doing all kinds of things all the all the cell phone companies are pushing this you know safety which is uh unbelievably important now we you know everybody's always about apps eric we go oh you got it what have you tried this app how dangerous is it to just be downloading apps where is where's the safest place for people to download apps that will protect their security? Or is there one? Uh, well, number one, what you want to use is really good judgment and make sure you do your research before downloading an app. So if your friend says, hey, try this privacy app, make sure you do your diligence and read up on it and understand it. Make sure you're looking for stars ratings uh, that are legitimate. Make sure you're checking um, reviews because uh, all that stuff is available out there uh, when you're making decisions like that. Uh, when you're going to download the apps, but there's way, way too many corrupt applications out there as well. So just you know, make sure you're using good judgment uh, when you're when you're getting after that and understanding what you want to download onto your phone. Well, that seems to be the bottom line. Just use good judgment. Keep be aware. Make sure you are uh, 
you know, constantly on the lookout because these scammers are everywhere. Eric, I appreciate the time. Hopefully, you know, this information helps a couple people not give away uh, give away the bank and everything they've got going on. Absolutely, Brian. And, and we want to help customers utilize their smartphones safely as well. So if they want to learn more about how to keep your cell phone secure uh, for National Safety Month, it's June, get after it and go to uscellular.com or visit a store near you in, in Wisconsin. We're happy to help you uh, do the things you need to do. Um, one other piece I think is really important, and maybe you've heard about it or not heard about it, but it's us mode at U.S. Cellular. And one of the best ways to stay out of trouble on your phone is sometimes to put your phone down and connect with people. And we believe in oh, that. We man. believe in having huh. human connection instead of just cell phone. You know, when you're with that's people, very Eric. That is uh, that is groundbreaking. It's it's so it makes so much sense that people wouldn't even think about it. It's talking to people. I I like it. I like it very much. Eric, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. All right. You have a great night. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. You too. That's Eric Larson, tech expert, talking about cell phone safety, U.S. Cellular uh, for June Safety Month. All right. Hopefully you are staying safe. Somebody uh, texted in. I found that blocking numbers and email addresses that are the source of clear spam usually doesn't help because I often see the same ones arrive over and over from different random numbers and email addresses. I get a lot of that, too. I also get the ones where they've copied uh, like 20 other people on there. You know, it's you and 20 people, and here's a link. So then you got to go in, and it's time-consuming, but you block every number on there. You know, from the from the one that sent it to every other number that they copied, and it's just, you know, it's a pain. And we've opened with all the great conveniences of our cell phones and our computers and our laptops and our devices. We've opened a lot of doors, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are smart, but they're smart for evil. And so it's up to us to be... Uh, diligent all the time in taking care and keeping our stuff safe. We've got a lot to do. And I have a way that you could make a lot of money. Listen, this is not a, it's not a pyramid scheme. I'll tell you how. Maybe you got it just laying around the house. Who knows? We'll talk about it after this on WTMJ Nights. Now, more of WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. This is something that probably... We could have talked about on uh, drive through window last night, but it is something that uh, it's, it's also business-related and collectibles and who knows what else. We talked last week, if you remember, uh, on our drive through window segment that uh, Hyde's is coming out with these Sauce America packets where they're going to have 50 different designs on the ketchup and the mustard for all the states, and you can collect them, and they're going to do a contest where maybe you can win $100,000. Um Today a story comes out, and I, first of all, I don't, uh, there's people who collect things that I would never imagine. And if you're, maybe you have a collection, I don't, I used to collect shot glasses. I don't collect things really anymore, um, just because I don't have space, and I don't really, you know, I, I don't really have the desire. But people collect all kinds of things, and I guess there are people who collect uh condiment packs and i'm not talking about you know just the drawer or the ziploc bag where you have all the extras that have come with your chinese food or your taco bell or whatever uh there's people who do collect them well now uh somebody made ten thousand dollars 
because he had not just a packet, but he had a gallon of a rare discontinued condiment um, from a collaboration between McDonald's and Michael Jordan. Now, I was around for the big Bulls run. I don't remember the Michael Jordan-McDonald's collaboration for the McJordan special, which was um, from 91 to 92 they ran this. It ran in 800 restaurants in Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and and the Chicago area. So it had uh, it was a McJordan burger, which was a quarter pounder topped with bacon, cheese, onions, pickles, mustard, and barbecue sauce. The barbecue sauce is what garnered all this money. Um, that is so. A former McDonald's owner operator had an unopened gallon jug of this. He sold it. For well, he put it on eBay um, with a minimum bid of ten thousand dollars. Nobody bought it, but then he put the buy it now button on there, and he got nine thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars for a gallon of old barbecue sauce. Now, I know people collect wine, which makes sense because you can drink it. Are you going to use if you pay ten grand for a gallon of McJordan sauce? Are you going to use that sauce? Or is that something you you put on the shelf? I have no idea. You're a sports guy, Matt. I'm sure you enjoy Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player to ever play the game. Would you buy a gallon of his his McDonald's sauce for 10 grand and if you did, would you use it or just stare at it? If I want a Michael Jordan collectible, it's not going to be McJordan sauce. I'm sorry for the person who made a pretty penny off it, but there's a lot more that I can get. Uh, around Michael Jordan collectibles. I could probably get multiple things for the same price of $10,000 than a packet of sauce. So I'm going to take a pass on the food and see what else I can get. I just thought this had, you know, this was right up your alley with uh, Jordan and the big sports thing. But you're right. I think for 10 grand, you could probably get, I would imagine you could get a a jersey, game worn jersey or some shoes, something like that. Can't get, I think there's only what, one pair of, didn't he always wear the same socks or was it the same underwear? He always wore something the same every game, but uh, it wasn't the sauce. So uh, you can also, for some reason, McDonald's sauces, are people are willing to pay for them. Um, there was, in 1998, when Mulan came out, McDonald's had Szechuan sauce to go with their nuggets. Um, if you have some of that, just a pack you, they're saying you could get up to five figures for this. For a pack of Szechuan sauce. Uh, it is uh, ridiculous. So you could get that. You could also get uh, Time Magazine that a, a packet of the 30-year-old dipping sauce went for $14,700. Container of the sauces Rick and Morty themed re-releases from 28 28- and 2022 have also been sold on eBay. Not as much. Um, from the 262, I would pay a good penny for McDonald's hot mustard sauce. I really miss it, and I'm extremely surprised they ever got rid of it because everybody loves it. I've never had it. The fact that you're willing to pay for it now makes me want to go on a quest to find some and then sell it to you. But, uh, no, it, it's, it's amazing to me 
what people will pay for. I guess if you have that kind of money, now listen, would I rather you spend it uh would I rather you spend it on sauce than going down in, in a tin can to see the Titanic? Sure, yeah. At least, you know, as long as you don't eat it, there's not really a chance that you're gonna die. Um so that's always good. We got more to do and time is the tyrant. So let's do this listening to WTMJ Knights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Knights. We're here until eight o'clock and then it is Brewers Weekly. With Dom Catronio. Um, Matt, I know you follow all sorts of sports. Do you follow uh, cage fighting? Is that one of the sports that you enjoy? Cage fighting? I'm a fan of boxing. I'm a fan of MMA. You'll have to tell me a little bit more about this one. MMA, MMA is kind of cage fighting. The reason I ask is there's a big one on the horizon. I don't know if you've been following this. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk say, hey, they're going to they're gonna do a cage fight. Did you hear this story? I did not, but I mean, man, oh, we have goodness. a lot of celebrity combat fights. We had the Paul <laughs> siblings go at it against uh, numerous celebrities a few years back. It, it's just becoming a thing that people do. I mean, who knows? Who's going to be the next uh, fight? It might be you versus another host on WTMJ. Who would you take, Brian? Who would oh, you take on a celebrity on fight? Uh, boy, boy, I don't uh, listen. I don't want to get into this. That's, then it's then it's going to be come radio war. Then their producer is going to come after you. Then it's going to have to be a whole thing. I, I'm confident. Uh, you know, getting know. to know Justin over the past few weeks. I think who knows what could happen in a fight between him and I. You just never know. I would like to see that. Now I would promote that. I would promote uh, producer fights like they used to do bum fights. Not that you guys are bums, but I would, you know, I'd have, uh, I'd set up the old school tough man. Like before UFC, there were these tough man contests. So I would have the producers just go after each other. I don't know how many would get involved. Uh, I tell you what, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to fight Matzik. He's, uh, he's in, re he's in really good shape, and he's younger. Um, I don't think, boy, there's really. There's nobody I, you know, I could, I, I don't know. I have a better, I, boy, you put me on the spot. Let's see. We'll start at the top. Now, Vince, Vince is in pretty good shape. He and Eric, um, you know, the morning news team. I don't think uh, there's any weak links there. Steve Scafidi. Only thing I got on Steve is some, you know, little age. You know, maybe I know he's had some, uh, you know, maybe some, uh, Knees, could probably get his knees. Jeff Wagner, I don't want to fight Jeff Wagner. Come on, that's silly. Um, then the afternoon crew. Now, oh. you know, I'd go, go after uh, Dave Ramsey just because he's not on site. Because <laughs> he's syndicated. I'll fight a syndicated host. Now, what about the? Uh, what about anybody at the Truth or ESPN? Under, can I fight any any? I don't want to fight any host. Why are you Why are you take me down this thing, Matt? Because now I'm going to think about it. Now I'm going to look at the lineup, and I'm going to go. All right, who? I mean, if push came to shove, you got to do what you got to do. But the uh, Zuckerberg Elon Musk fight started because Elon Musk is very mad that Zuckerberg is Meta is going to try something to outdo Twitter because they want. Um, According to Zuckerberg, people want a safe place uh, that is sanely run for a platform. So Elon Musk got upset about this. And then somebody told him to be careful because Zuckerberg does jujitsu. And then Elon Musk said, I'm up for a cage match if he is. 
then The Verge reported that Zuckerberg posted a screenshot of the exchange uh, as a story on his Instagram account with the note, send me the location. So now, supposedly, this, uh, this could happen. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. If you had to bet, though, Matt, if you were, if you were making book on this, you've got Zuckerberg versus Musk. Musk is taller and heavier than Zuckerberg. Who do you think, who do you think takes this fight? If you were, if you were a betting man. Of course, you asked me a betting question the first day that Justin isn't here. Um, but well, this is just your. Who do you think in a fight, Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk? I take Elon. I take Elon heavily with confidence. He's a little really? taller, a little more muscular, and I don't know. I just, I just like Elon. Just brings it a little bit more in a cage fight than Zuckerberg would. Hmm. Now I don't know how much. Mu- I I will give you that Elon Musk is bigger. He's much doughier than um mark zuckerberg not in bad shape (laughs) he's not in bad shape but he's you know uh, not in the best shape now zuckerberg smaller wirier been taking jujitsu but i'm gonna call a little bs that he said he was in a couple of uh tournaments and he won gold and silver medals if you know i don't know if mark zuckerberg actually ran the Ran the uh, tournaments or not, so I don't know if anybody let him win. But I think because there's also the rumor that Mark Zuckerberg, you know, is like a cyborg or a lizard person. You've heard that rumor, allegedly. So he might have he might have powers we don't even know about. But I also think he's wiry. I think he's small. You know, he can get inside on uh, Musk. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Zuckerberg if this thing ever happens. And it's being covered by everybody. All the major news organizations talking about this because I think at some point we're so sick of these guys who run these social media platforms. We'd love to see them have a fight. You know, <laughs> I think it'd be, it'd be great. They had a public feud in 2017. They've uh, gone up against each other for the top spot on Bloomberg Billionaires Index. Uh, there was a Facebook Live broadcast. Um, that uh, where Zuckerberg dismissed naysayers who sketched out doomsday scenarios as being irresponsible. Musk, Musk has been talking stuff about uh, Zuckerberg for a long time. So who knows? Um, Oddspedia, the sports betting platform, collated odds, um, they go with me. They say Zuckerberg has an 83% chance of winning the fight. You know? They collated odds from Bovada, Bet Online, Ladbroke, so a lot of different, uh, lot of different odds makers. They're saying Zuckerberg. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I would love to see it. <laughs> Judy B wants me to fight hosts from other stations now. Oh, I'm not fighting anybody. I don't. That was was Matt trying to get me in trouble. I know Matt wanted me to say something that then he could, you know, he could pull it, he could post on a promo, and it would be a whole big thing about how, you know, starting some inner office turmoil. No, I'm not falling for it. I'm not going to be on, uh, I'm not going to be on the link. All right, so there it is. We'll see. We will see if these, uh, these two guys decide to fight. A toy that was in my house until I ripped the batteries out and threw it away, and it may have been in your house, and it annoyed you to no end. Well, guess what? It's coming back, 
Be afraid. Be very afraid. We'll talk about it after this on WTMJ Nights. The night is TMJ Nights. Oh, my goodness. This is, uh, this is rough news. If you had a child in the 90s, or if you were a child in the 90s, you probably had one of these toys in your home, and it made you nuts. Well, it didn't make the kids nuts. It made the parents nuts. I am talking about the Furby. Everybody remember the Furby? Just made uh, it look. It, I don't know if it's a bird or a monster or whatever it is. It has a beak, and um, the Furby would just come to life. You know, it, there was no off switch on the Furby. It um, it could be quiet all day, and then in the middle of the night, it would just start and it, it talked in gibberish. It was ridiculous, um, and it was loud, and it was it was just freaky. It looked almost like something out of the movie Gremlins. Were you, are you too young for Furbies, Matt, or did you have a Furby? I never had a Furby. I think I'm too young for that. Might be too young. Good for you. You're lucky. You're lucky. Uh, well, it's back. According to Hasbro, the people who make Furby, they said today that it's they're reintroducing the bug-eyed, gibberish-talking furball. That's their words, not mine. Um, it is an uh, animatronic toy. Launched on Amazon today, it's going gonna, it's gonna to roll into stores on July 15th. It's been gone for 10 years, 10 glorious years. Uh, 70 bucks for the new Furby. Comes in purple and coral. Not a lot of choices. It's 70 bucks. Forget about it. Uh, it's kind of like the original, they say, but it's cuter. Uh, it's interactive. It responds to hugs. Pats on the head and tickles. And you can also pretend to feed it a pizza. And then, when it wakes up in the middle of the night, you can hit it with a baseball bat, smash it to smithereens, and realize that you wasted $70 on something that is unbelievably annoying that you let into your house. Because it is still going to be noisy, it's still going to speak gibberish, and it's still going to dance. It's got five voice-activated modes, more than 600 phrases, phrases, Jokes and songs and built-in lights and sounds. I did my best when our daughter was little to not buy toys or to have toys around that, that did this kind of stuff. Now, she had, you know, there's all the, like, CNSA and the um, the ones where you push the button and it, it helps you with your letters. And the, the, all those kind of toys were fine because you had to actually be doing something with them. And they were semi-educational and even the ones that weren't were fun but the furby she had one for a very short time and it was awful because like i said it would just go it would just start up would not and there was no the only way you could stop it was to take the batteries out of it but then yeah then it was a hassle to put them it was, it was just it was awful and they were so popular um well they're coming back for the 25th anniversary um they said they wanted to ignite the same excitement for this generation by harnessing Furby's power of nostalgia. Because they're saying the parents that had Furby's, oh, they introduced the Furby in 98. Okay, so that was a little before your time. Um, they introduced them now, then, so they're saying, well, listen, the kids who loved the Furbies back then, when they were six to eight years old, now they're in their 30s, and they're the perfect they call it the perfect demographic. I say 
they're the perfect dupes because they're going to go, oh, they're going to remember the good parts of having a, a uh, Furby and not the horrible parts of having a Furby. And so they're going to shell out that $70 either for their children or you know there's going to be some 35-year-olds buying a Furby for themselves. Oh, won't this be fun to have in the office or down in near the TV or something? And then the Furby will, oh, no. Uh, from the 262, Furbies were excellent training surrogates for future newborn children. No, because at some point you can, well, I was going to say some point you can get your children to turn off, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. Sometimes the children will not turn off. Um, so it's part of a continuing trend as toy makers try to appeal to millennium's nostalgia, millennials nostalgia. I will say I gave into nostalgia once, um, in my thirties because my entire life growing up, I had wanted rock'em sock'em robots, the old school ones, not the, you know, where that's a, Matt, that's a game I'm sure you've never heard of. You had a red robot and a blue robot and you used your thumbs to control their fists and if you hit the other robot just right their head would pop off it would uh, come off on like a metal a little metal stick so it would it wouldn't shoot out of the game but it would you'd knock their block off and i wanted oh man when i was a kid i wanted rock'em sock'em robots like nobody's business i asked for rock'em sock'em robots every christmas and every christmas i was disappointed so i was telling i and i this is one of the stories, for, for whatever reason, I held on to this story my entire life. I, I never, uh, I held a grudge against Santa. I held a grudge against my parents. I held a grudge against everybody because I wanted Rock'em Sock'em robots. And then finally, my wife got so tired of hearing me complain about it that she, uh, well, she went out and she found me vintage Rock'em Sock'em robots. Now, I still have them. They used to be in my office. Now they're in the basement. When was the last time I played? Uh, no. I haven't played Rock'em Sock'em Robots in a long time, but I have them, so I gave in to that nostalgia. Peggy says her Furby came back to life after being stored for years. It was creepy. Yes, that's the thing. They are real creepy. They, are, I believe, uh, and, and this I can't prove this. This is just a theory that every Furby has a little bit of demon inside them. I don't know where Hasbro gets the demon or if the demon is uh, like an aftermarket add-on that you have to pay extra for. But, yeah, it's uh, it's very, very creepy. Very creepy. But they're coming back, friends. They are coming back, so get ready. Uh, is there a toy you had from your youth that you would love to see come back or that, as an adult, you searched out and found so that you could have it uh, just for... Some kind of memory. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Got a couple more minutes. Jump in. Share your story. It's WT More of WTMJ Nights. A few more minutes on WTMJ Nights. We're talking about the Furby coming back. And the target isn't really kids now. According to Hasbro, the target is millennials who had Furbies when they were six to eight years old and now they have kids and so they're going to try to buy it out of nostalgia so I'm trying to uh, trying to find out from you 
What toys maybe you bought as an adult because you liked them as a kid? 855-616-1620. I do have a couple Mr. Potato Heads in my office, and I have a couple Captain America uh, action figures, as well as as well as my Rock'em Sock'em robots, because those were those were toys from my youth. Um, from the four one four, they brought a light bright and a Nerf basketball hoop, both good. I liked it. We had we had a, a light bright when my daughter was young. She liked that. Nerf basketball hoops are fantastic. I don't care how old you are, just sitting around. Mike said uh, Simon from the seventies hated that game. Oh, that was, uh, we just gave that to somebody. I think we gave it to one of my nieces for either Christmas as part of her Christmas or her birthday. Simon is still around. Um, favorite AFX racetrack? Yes. Oh, the AF, the radio controlled cars. Those were always good. Um, what kind of toys did they play with before the seventies? That from the two six two. Like we didn't have toys. Now I, I don't have a lot of experience before the seventies, but, uh, GI Joes were very big. Uh, any of the the play school toys were still around, especially that little one that you'd push around that was like a popcorn popper thing. Uh, it just had balls in it in a dome. It was like boggle, but you'd push it, and it was just it would make the sound. So those were always fun. Uh, Barbies were around. GI Joes were around. Uh, kitchen sets. People did that. We had the uh, blow up punching bags that would flip back up when you uh, you'd punch it, and there was sand in the bottom, and it would come back up. Uh, so that was good. Batman, Flintstone stuff, uh, Easy Bake Oven. Hot Wheels cars were huge. Hot Wheels cars and Hot Wheels tracks, which, depending on how uh, angry your parents got, could uh, also double as a disciplinary device. And then, uh, like, Battleship was a big game. Stratego. Uh, people played with hula hoops. That was more 50s, I think. But, uh, yeah, there was all... We had, there were lots of toys back then. From the 414, I'm 47 and look for old school BMX bikes. I always wanted one as a kid. Yeah, those dirt bikes, man, everybody wanted a dirt bike. Not too many people had them. Well, listen, we'll all go back and we'll reminisce, but we got to get out of here and make way for Brewers Weekly. Have a wonderful weekend. I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt, for all your help tonight. Thanks for listening and being part of the program. Talk to you later. News is next on WTMJ.